Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Um, our students, they start school tomorrow. And no matter what the weather feels like outside, when you go back to school, whether it's 90 degrees, whether it's, whether it's 85 degrees, that means summer is officially over. And when summer's over, that means fall is right around the corner, and fall means what? Football season, right? Football season is upon us. The Olympics are over. Basketball season hasn't, hasn't started yet. You hear about a couple trades and things of that sort, but it's football season. I know my diehard football fans, y'all have been waiting for football season ever since the Super Bowl ended last year. We've been waiting for preseason football. And nine times out of ten, anywhere you go, um, a restaurant or something, if they have TVs on, you're going to see them talking about football or a football game is going to be on. It's, it's, it's inevitable. And last weekend, my wife and I, we were uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I had an event I was doing down there, and we checked in the hotel. And um, we said, hey, you know, let's, let's go grab a bite to eat. There was a nice little wing spot that was right down the street that was in walking distance. So we walked in, very nice establishment. And we went in, there was a young man who was um, a greeter at the front desk, and uh, excuse me, at the front area, and he set us at our seat. The table we were at was a little, little wobbly, and it was, it was actually fairly large. And so my wife and I, we felt a little distant from one another. So we asked if we could um, be seated at another area. So we sat at one of the, the high-top tables that was a little closer. And he said, your waiter will be with you in, the, in a few moments. So we were like, okay, cool. And so, of course, we're in Charlotte. They had Panthers football on, so Keegley and, and Cam Newton, you know, they're on, on the TV doing their thing. And so time, time goes by, and we're waiting. We go through the menu, and we know what we want to drink. We know what, you know, we want for our appetizer. We know what we want to eat, and no waiter shows up. And so I look up, and I see the young man again who sat us at our seats, and he makes eye contact, eye contact with me. He runs over and says, hey, hey, how, can, how can, I, can I help? Is everything okay? And I was like, I don't know where our waiter or waitress is, and, you know, we're ready to order, and we haven't you know, been served yet. So he took our drink order and said, your waiter will be with you shortly. And our waiter did finally make her way over there. But there was something about this young man. He made sure that our time there uh, was enjoyable. He made sure that we had an experience that uh, we would want to come back if we considered coming back. And, you know, our waiter, she did handle what she needed. But every time this young man passed our table, he wasn't our waiter. But every time he passed our table, he always, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all need anything? You good? How you enjoying the food? He just took care of the small things. You know, it wasn't anything out of the norm. It wasn't anything that uh, above and beyond that I would expect from my waitress, but he just took care of the small things. And I appreciate him for that. On the way out, I, said, I told my wife, I said, I need to find this young man wherever he is, and I just, I got to let him know. Like, I just want to give him a pat on the back, compliment him, and I actually want to give him a tip. So I did leave it, we did leave a tip for our waiter, because, you know, we weren't going to let how she waited on us dictate what we do. So we still left her a tip. Um, but I had a few dollars and I wanted to, to put it in his hand and just sow a few words of encouragement to him and let him know, hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. And when I compliment him, I didn't know that he was standing in front of his manager because um, I thought the guy worked in the kitchen. He had on like an apron and a hat on. And he said, you know, this is a young guy I've been mentoring. He's only been working here a month. Thank you for, for sharing this. It's good to know um, that he, he's, he's doing the things that I've been training him to do. And I told him, I said, man, don't, don't change anything about yourself. Keep doing 
what you're doing. Keep taking care of the small things. And you guys, you saw the video, and this video is a part of a, uh, a series of, of video blogs that I do um, geared towards um, couples and marriages and relationships. And, and my goal in these videos is just simply to communicate some things in the most effective way as possible to connect with my viewer and let them uh, just kind of see a little bit into some of my experiences and some things that I've gained um, and learned um, in my own marriage and just kind of couple it with some, some biblical principles. And even though I kind of downplay the, the small things like the small plays and things of that sort and, uh, in the video, but we all know that in, in, in a football game, the big plays are only able to happen when the little things are done. If we negate and neglect and forget about the little things, then the big plays can never happen. If a lineman misses a block, that 85-yard pass into the end zone, that could be a, a record-breaking touchdown pass to, to win the game or to win the Super Bowl, can't happen if he gets set. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So the little things have to be taken care of while we're celebrating uh, the big things. And in so many cases, we overlook the small things, uh, even in um, our own marriages. The small things we often overlook, the things we feel like we can put off until next week, the things that we feel like we can do later on, the things that, uh, you know, will come, the time will come around next week to take care of. And we so often put those things off, and we don't realize the impact that makes in the larger scope. So in these few minutes that I have with you today, um, I just want to kind of share some things uh, with you related to um, just some practices that, that you can incorporate um, in your marriages, in your relationships, in your friendships. And now I know, you know, everyone in the room um, isn't married. So if you're single or if you're dating or if you're not married or divorced or in between marriages, I'm, I'm not here to get in your business. But whatever it is, I feel like these three, these three practices that I want to give you today um, could be helpful to use in any type of engagement that you have with others and those that you, you love and those that you engage with on a regular basis. That's cool. Y'all going to follow with me today? All right. All right. I appreciate you, Valley. So in these few minutes, what I want to talk to you today comes from the topic of they don't make a Hallmark card for that. They don't make a Hallmark card for that. Now, we know you can go to, you know, a card store and they always make the, the cards for the big things, you know, the anniversaries, the birthdays, the Christmases, the Happy New Year's, the um, I love you, the I'm sorry's, but what about the, the everyday, just like life experiences in between? I guess because everyone's is different, you know, they, 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 they would be printing paper and cards, you know, all day. They wouldn't have enough room to stock it. So if you need one for that, you have to get the generic one and write your, write your own message in there um, so many times. But I want to give you three practices for your marriage, for your relationships, uh, for your friendships, just your engaging with others um, that need no card. And the first one is know that today matters. Know that today matters. One of the most valuable resources that we have on this earth is time. Um, when, when we're talking about time, we're all dealt the same hand. You know, we, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. No one person has more time. No one person has less time. And I know we say, you know, life, life is so busy. You know, I don't have enough time to do this. Um, but what I realized in, 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 in me live in my adulthood now is that people make time for what they want to. Yeah. You may, you might realize that people make time for 
what they want to. People make time for what they feel is important, or at least important to them. Um, we always feel that, you know, there's tomorrow. It seems so, so close, right? You know, Annie tells us in the musical, tomorrow is, is only a day away, right? So we say, okay, we can put that off until tomorrow. It's, it's right around the corner. You know, the game is about to come on. I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, my, my favorite TV show is about to come on. It's the finale of The Bachelor. I, I, don't, what, I don't know what the ladies watch, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's about to come on. So you know what? I can take care of that tomorrow, and we put it off until tomorrow. Look what it says here in Matthew. Matthew 6. Verse 34, it says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own for us to be concerned about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own for us to be concerned what goes on tomorrow. You could receive a phone call when you wake up tomorrow that alters your complete day. Whatever you have planned to do, you might get a call and you might have to get on the road to go see about a loved one. Um, to go see about a child at, at, at college, um, and it just changes the plans that you had for that entire day. So we don't know what, tomorrow's br- what tomorrow brings. Tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. And then check this out. The majority of the things that my wife asked me to do um, or requests for me to do uh, could probably be done. If I had to be honest, and I'm probably tipping my hand to a little bit, could probably done, be done within a 24-hour time block and probably be taken care of in the in the context of a day. Um, but then there's many times where, you know, where I put things off and delayed it to the next day. And what I didn't realize what I was doing was communicating to her the importance of or value that I saw on what she was asking me to do. By putting it off till later, there's there was a certain thing that I was communicating without even opening my mouth, just in my decision to to, to delay what it is that she asked me to do. There was one Sunday evening um, where um, I work at, a, I work at uh, the church at, I mentioned in Manor, Manor in Fayetteville. I'm the student ministries pastor there. And so our work day is from about 7.30 till about 2.30. And so that Saturday before the Sunday, she um, kind of let me know what she planned on cooking for, for Sunday morning. And I was like, okay, cool, that sounds good. You know, one of my favorite Meals is like this brown sugar chicken she, she found on Pinterest, and um, it's delicious, one of my favorite meals. And so she kind of tipped her hand to me, you know, what she was going to be making, what was going to be on the menu. So I was like, bad, cool. So she said, babe, I just need you to make sure the dishes are cleaned out the, the, the sink and in the dishwasher and washed, and go ahead and clean out the refrigerator, you know, before tomorrow. Um, so I can get the meal prepared. And so I'm like, all right, cool. And I don't know what I was doing um, that Saturday, but whatever it was, I didn't get around to it. So on my way out to church that Sunday morning, I saw the dishes in the sink, and I was like, you know what, I'll just take care of that. When I get back home, it'll be about 2.30. They'll still be squared away so she can fix the meal. We're good. So I get home after a long day at church, there for four services, come home, you know, Panthers football on. So Hop right in the living room, watching the game. You know, time goes by, you know, brother getting a little hungry, and I'm thinking, like, you know, I don't smell no aromas coming from the kitchen. You know, what happened to that meal she said she was going to cook? And, um, you know, and so I'm, I'm wondering, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm guessing what's happening, but here's the thing. She wasn't able to fix the meal because 
the dishes weren't out the sink and she needed a place to unthaw the, the chicken. And then what she needed to cook the, the meal with, those, those dishes weren't put in the dishwasher to be clean. And see, my wife, she cooks. It's only just the two of us in the house, but when she cooks, she cooks in, in abundance, you know. And so I have, like, you know, some leftovers, some dinner stuff for, for the week to go on. And so she didn't have any room to put stuff in the kitchen, so she didn't fix it. And it wasn't a retaliation thing where you didn't do what I asked you to do, so I didn't fix the meal. It was like I didn't do the simple things, the small things, so she would have what she needed in order to cook the meal. Look at this. Proverbs 13.4 says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And let me tell you guys, I craved. I was hungry watching that game. Like I craved. I had, I think, a turkey sandwich and some Doritos. And um, yes, a brother was still hungry. There's nothing worse than watching a good game and you're hungry. And so in that moment, scripture was definitely fulfilled. Scripture was definitely fulfilled. But I had the the posture of the sluggard. I, I was like lazy and, and delayed in what was asked and what was requested of me. And I mean, that's just what we do at home. I'm not the best cook if the cook, a cook at all. I do like the oven pizzas and stuff like that. So she handles the cooking and those other things in the kitchen. I try to make sure I get squared away for it. And I didn't, so I wasn't able to partake in the meal that uh, I so long desired. So know that today matters. If, if your spouse changes something about themselves, my fellas, if your wife, you know, gets a haircut or, you know, changes a, a fragrance or a new shirt or something, pay attention to those things. Compliment that today because tomorrow it's not going to hold as much weight. You know, ladies, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're, your husband is, uh, you know, working out and, you know, trying to lose some, some weight and things of that sort, you know, uh, you know, buy him a shirt in, in, in a smaller size and his favorite color and let him know that you, you see some, some changes going on. If it fits a little snug, you know, just he's been, he been hitting the iron a little, you know, a little heavy. So um, do those, those small things, like pay attention to those things today because noticing them tomorrow doesn't always carry the same weight as they do today. Amen? Amen. Especially my, my fellas, I'm more so than my fellas. You don't want to be like me on the couch with a turkey sandwich. So make sure you pay attention to those things. Know that today matters. You know, forgive today. Give that compliment today. Uh, call that babysitter today so you can go on that much-needed date that you guys need today. Uh, take care of some of those things on the honeydew list today. Uh, wash the car today. Fix that button on his favorite shirt that he can't wear because the button isn't fixed on it today. It's the little things that, that make the difference, and they don't make a Hallmark car for that. And because of these little things, these little things you want to do over and over and over. You just don't want to do them one time and, 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 and say, okay, you know, I, I took care of this, I took care of this. Like, you want to do them on a regular basis, which brings me to my practice number two that needs no card for consistency. Consistency. One of my favorite shows growing up, um, and man, they don't even make shows like this anymore. One of my favorite shows growing up um, in my childhood was Family Matters. And if you're not familiar with Family Matters, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the name Steve Urkel. Did I do that? Yeah, okay. I, I love this show, Family Matters. I mean, I look forward to every Friday TGIF, Family Matters. I mean, it ran for a long time, I believe, on uh, ABC. And this guy, Steve Urkel, he, you know, he was, 
he wasn't, you know, your typical kind of suave dude. Like, you know, he was the, the kind of geek, kind of the nerd, like big glasses that take up his whole face, uh, pants jacked all the way up to like the armpits, and still has suspenders on, big shoes, high water pants, like squeaky voice, you know, just kind of real like nerdy type. But that's just who he was. You know, he didn't try to change who he was. And he was in pursuit after um, this girl named Laura. And I, I mean, years and years of being rejected and turned down and, uh, in my opinion, humiliated sometimes, he still pursued this girl, Laura. And it probably wasn't until about eight seasons into the, into the show where he actually began to win her over, um, where she thought about giving him a chance beyond just um, a friendship. And even though this character, Steve Urkel, was created, I believe Steve Urkel understood um, the concept and idea of consistency. He understood the idea of doing the right things over and over and over and over again, giving Laura flowers just because, compliments when she felt unattractive, uh, showed interest in the things um, that she showed interest in, showed interest in her continually even when she showed an in-interest in him. She, he paid attention to those small things. So the, what he lacked in physical appearance and what he lacked in physical attractiveness, he made up for in his actions. Um, he was just always consistent. And he knew that this consistency would pay off down the line. And even if he didn't win Laura over, even if Laura didn't become his lady, if Laura didn't become his girl, there was no question in the minds of the characters or in the viewers who watched the show who had Steve Urkel's heart. Look at this, Galatians 9, Galatians 6, verse 9. This is the same one from the video. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So for us to reap or see the results that we're looking for in our marriages, in um, our friendships, um, in our relationships, in our encounters with others, we must continue, in, continue doing the things that we know are good, continue doing the things that we know are right. And I know sometimes it can seem as though as we continue putting this time in, we continue making efforts towards things, we're not seeing the, the fruits of our labor, or we're not seeing the results that we want to see when we want to see them. But look what the verse says. It says, in due season, we will reap. So you got to be like, you got to have like that mindset like Steve Urkel had. You got to be consistent in your doing good with an expectation of reaping when it's due season. And we got to understand this concept of reaping. When we reap, we reap what it is that we sow. We reap later than when we sow, and we usually reap more than what we sow. So then you got to ask yourself, what is it that, that I'm sowing into these relationships? What is it that I'm sowing into uh, into my marriage? What am I sowing into uh, my friendship? Are you sowing anger? Because if you're sowing anger and you're getting anger back, but you're not understanding what, what that rebuttal is, then you got to kind of look back on yourself. Are you sowing love? Are you sowing compassion? Are you sowing understanding? Are you continually sowing those good things um, with the expectation to, to, to see the fruit down the line? One of the great kings um, in the Bible that I, I really uh, enjoy is uh, reading about is King David. You know, he's the, the unlikely uh, chosen son uh, by man, but he's the called and appointed son by God. Um, taking this out of the context of, of, of marriage and relationships for a second, David understood uh, the idea of consistency. Um, all the little things that he did on, on a day-to-day basis as a shepherd 
uh, was simply preparing him for his time on the big stage as king. Look at this. He was a shepherd, so he was capable of, of leading. He protected his flock from danger, so he was capable of defending. And he spent so much time out in the fields with his heavenly father, he became a man after God's own heart. David was a, 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 a man who, he got his reps in. He, he had his repetition. He did the little things, the right things, the, the things that seem easy, but down the line appear to be difficult consistently. So now when he was faced with opposition, he just did what he always knew to do. He just did what came natural to him. It's almost like muscle memory. And that's how we have to be with doing the small things consistently in our marriages, in our relationships. When we do those things, when, when, when something comes and, and, and rocks our house, that's not the time to try to, to, to figure out what we're going to do. But if we're, already, if we're already praying and we're already uh, doing those small things and we're already sowing those good things, then when opposition comes, we, it, it becomes muscle memory. We do what we know to do. We know what the scripture says. We know what things to stand on. We know what God's promises tell us. And so we're not as shaken. We might be shaken, but the foundation is still there. Uh, so ask yourself, what have you been doing consistently in your marriage? Are you communicating with your spouse regularly? Are you, are you open and, and, and transparent? Are you praying for your spouse? Are you praying with your spouse? Um, are you consistent in, in guarding your heart from things and, and people and, and images that may come in to create distance and, and separation between you and your spouse? Look at this, Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. One thing uh, my wife and I, we've chosen to do um, in our marriage is make sure that we don't go to bed mad at each other. I know early in our marriage, you know, we have a disagreement or argument, and it's like you go to bed, she turned that way, I'm turned that way, and you just go to sleep. But see, what that allows for is if that communication hasn't, hasn't been had and we hadn't talked through things, then that gives time for me to, to kind of conceptualize what I think is going on and misinterpret things and 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 uh, take things out of context. But if I'm able to talk with her and we're able to have communication and we're able to put everything on the table, I know how she feels. She knows how I feel. Even if we agree to disagree, it's on the table. We're not giving the devil room to come in and, and be deceptive and, 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 and just kind of cloud our judgment and choices on things. Y'all follow what I'm saying, Valley? Awesome. So we can't give the devil any opportunity to come in. So shoot for consistency in all that you do. My grandparents were married um, before they passed 60, 60 plus years. I think they were going on like 63 years. And I mean, that's, that's work. They put in the time. They put in, put in the reps. And growing up as a child, you don't always see, you know, the little things. You just know, you know, grandma sneak and give you some candy and stuff. You know, like you see those things. But as you get older, you know, and you see how they interact and you're able to understand the things that they're doing, you begin to, as I can, I can reflect and think about the things that they did on a regular basis with one another, but also with the family. Our granddad used to make us get off video games and come in the room and, and he would talk to us and pour into us and pray with the family. And my grandma was the same way. So seeing those things, we kind of knew when we, go up, when we went up there and was for a long period of time that 
Those were the things we were going to see. Those were the things we were going to experience and be a part of. They put in work, and consistency was the key, doing the small things over and over and over again. And they don't make a Hallmark car for that. Which brings me to the third practice that needs no card for your marriage, for your relationships, for um, your friendships, for your engaging with others. And that's do all things in love. Do all things out of a place of love. Uh, my wife and I, um, we've gone to marriage conferences over um, the past four or five years. We try to go to one, at least one, every year. And we didn't go to one last year, so I owe you one. So y'all going to get me in trouble. <laughs> so what we do, we always try to go to a marriage conference just to, just to hear from others and and. Um, hear how others, you know, things that, that have worked in their marriage. And it's not, you know, it's not because, like, our marriage is, is, is in shambles or we need counseling. It's just to, just to kind of keep things fresh, to get a new perspective. You know, you don't want to, you don't, you want to take care of things before they get out of hand, right? So we just, you know, we just go and allow others to kind of pour into our lives and, and our marriages. And there was this one couple that was there. I can't remember their name. But they were from a church in California. I think it was uh, maybe called Cathedral or something like that. But it's a large church in, um, in California. And the, the man, the husband was speaking, and he was saying how he was, he was more of the affectionate person. Um, and his wife, that wasn't her background. That wasn't the type of family style that they grew up in. You know, they didn't do a lot of telling each other they loved them every day and hugging and kissing. That wasn't their their style, but he was more of like, hey, I want to hold your hand, and she's like, eh, I'm good, you know, like, they were, they were different, you know, but they, you know, they were married, and so he said, you know, I woke up one morning, and I said, you know what, I'm going to outserve my wife this week, and it just kind of, kind of took me aback a little bit, because I've never heard it put like that, he said, I just, I'm just going to outserve my wife, and it wasn't like I just want to one-up her, like I'm going to do more than she does so I can check it off a list, it's just, you know, Sometimes we try to, you know, people get in trouble because they try to change people. And that's not, that's not our job to change people. You know, people have to change because they, they want to change. And his heart and his posture was, I'm just going to serve my wife. I'm just going to wake up and just out-serve my wife. And I, I, I understood where he, was, where he was coming from. Like, that's the compassion that our actions should be stemmed from. It should be stemmed from a place of compassion. When we do things for our spouse, it should be out of love. It should be from a posture of what can I give, not what can I get. Uh, Look at Luke 6, verse 45. It says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So the things that we do for for our spouses, for uh, our mates, towards our friends, towards our family members, even towards our, our co-workers. Those things are just a, an outpour, an overflow of the things that are already in our, in our heart. When we, when we compliment our spouse, when we give flattering remarks, it's, it's, it's out of an abundance of love that we already show and have for our spouse. And it's not done with the anticipation of reciprocation, but rather it's just the action that's connected to the love that we have for that person. Um, my wife is a person. I'm talking about my wife a lot. So my wife, she's a person who um, enjoys getting her rest. 
She likes her sleep and her rest uninterrupted. And so, and I know that because there's been times where I've gotten up before her too loud and she gives me a look and I try to quiet down. You know, there's been days where I get ready in the dark, you know, with a little bit of sunlight so that I don't let that sunlight crack in and disturb her before her alarm goes off. But I know that she likes her rest. She enjoys um, her sleep. And she was working at the Cumberland County Courthouse um, in Fayetteville for a while. And I mean, this, the, the environment there um, was, just, was just toxic. For her to come home every day, I mean, it was, it was just something. I mean, it wasn't even the people coming in, like the, the customers or the, the people who were coming up there for, to pick up files and papers or the people in the courtroom. It was the co-workers. She was one of, follow me, she was one of 85 women who worked in that, yeah, I heard you, like, mm, yeah. One of 85 women who worked in that department. And it seemed like there was always something going on. Like, they would just start stuff to have stuff going on. My wife's the type, she, tell me what I need to do. I'm going to do my job. I'm not going, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do more than what's going on. I'm not trying to get in your business. I don't really care too much to hear about your personal life unless it's a way I can pray for you or something. Like, she's just there to do her task. And it's like they would always kind of like nitpicking little things. And I knew it would, it would drive her crazy. So when she woke up in the morning, she wasn't excited about, you know, going to that job. And so there was one morning I woke up early. It was a Monday. Um, so it's already a tough day. And I said, you know what? I'm getting ready to iron my clothes. My wife already laid her clothes out. Let me, let me just iron her clothes for her so that she could get an extra 10 minutes of sleep. So she, don't have, she doesn't have to like when her alarm wakes up, feel like she got to get up and Start prepping. Let me just go ahead and iron her clothes for her. So she woke up, was getting up, ready to get ready. I said, hey, 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 babe, go back, go back to sleep. I already got your clothes. Get, get your 10 minutes. Go ahead, get you about 10, 15 more minutes, and um, I got your stuff squared away. And she's like, I got to iron No, 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 no. It's already taken care of. I got you. Go ahead and get your 10, 10 15 minutes of sleep. Make your day better. And it seems so in- insignificant, right? It seems so small, just, you know, just clothes from being wrinkled to iron, hung up, so you can get an extra 10, 10 to 15 minutes. But I think she, I understood the, the weight and value that that carried. One, yes, because she got some extra rest, but just because it was a, the thoughtfulness in it so that she could um, just enjoy a little bit more sleep, maybe make her day a little bit better before going to her job that, you know, that the, the environment was just, it was just, just I mean, I got to call it what it is. It was just very, very toxic um, there at, the, uh, at, at her job. Just that small action made the world a difference, you know, and I, I began doing it just, you know, the rest of that week, but that first day, it just, it just made her day, you know, she called me at the office and said, hey, yeah, hey, I really appreciate, it. you know, you didn't have to do that, but, you know, I really appreciate it, it really made my day, it's just made my day, my environment here at work better, that one action was connected to, to a feeling and emotion that changed the demeanor of her, her whole day, starting um, at home, it, you know, it, was, it seemed like I said, it seemed small, but it was a sacrificial act I took upon myself. Not to get a pat on the back, not to get, you know, kudos, not to get brownie points, not to get that brown sugar chicken that I didn't get during the Panthers game. You know, it wasn't to make up for that. It was just an outpour of the love that I already had for my wife. And I want to see her day be a little bit, um, just a little bit better. I remember... Hearing, I can't remember where, I remember hearing a speaker say, uh, what, if, what if marriage was created for us to be, to make us holy, not necessarily happy? 
And I know our first listen, you're like, what? That's, that's crazy. Like, who wants to be married and unhappy? Everybody wants to happily ever after. But when you think about it just a, a little bit deeper, you think about it a little more in depth, it's the only relationship that's given to us by God where he, de- he demands we love individuals as Christ loved his own people, as Christ loved the church. Look at this in Ephesians 5, uh, 22 through 27. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, and even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is, and, and is himself is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So the same way that the church submits to Christ, he's, he's, he's saying that wives should submit to their husbands. And in the same regard, husbands giving themselves up for their wife, just as Christ did for, for his bride, the church. It was a sacrificial love. It was a pure love. It was a protecting love. It was a covering love, a love that is present all the way to the grave. So should marriage be enjoyed? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't enjoy your marriage. Your marriage isn't created for us to enjoy one another. In a few verses before that in Ephesians 5, it tells us, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in your wife of your youth. So marriage is definitely uh, created for us to enjoy one another. But is it created for us to be like Christ and created for us to, to, to model the relationship Christ has with his church? Absolutely. I truly believe uh, that it is. And so um, in closing this out, I want to share one more um, story to just drive home this point of doing things um, out of love. Um, and many of you all probably don't know this unless you've seen any of the other vlog videos um, that I posted online. But uh, my wife is currently, um, my wife and I, I'll say my wife and I are currently going through the process of um, a kidney transplant. My wife has been battling uh, chronic kidney disease for the past uh, eight years. And so now it's at a place where she needs um, a kidney transplant. Um, she's, been, she's, been, she's, been like, she's been doing very well for a while, and it, things have kind of been stable. But just over the past year or so, um, things have kind of uh, gone south a, a little bit. And so we're at the reality of the next step is that she needs a transplant. But God has been more than faithful um, and more than shown himself throughout this process. Um, her mother is actually uh, going to be a living donor. Um, praise God. Her mother is a matched blood work, kidney match, all that stuff is good. She's gone through um, about 90% of the testing. I think she has one more, uh, one or two more appointments to meet with the surgeon. Um, and we're praying once we get the green light there that we'll have a date. Um, Mm, we're thinking about the, the kind of hinting to us maybe around October sometime, at least before the end of the year, um, where they can go through uh, with, that, with that process. And when we were meeting in the, doctor, well, in the doctor's office, um, I was the first, you know, even without being, you know, tested as being a match, I was the first one to be like, yes, I'll be uh, a living donor. It was, it was no question whether or not you know, if I would give my, my kidney for, for her. But after talking with the, the doctors and her specialists, um, you know, knowing that her mom was already a match, that was the, the first step we went. And her mom, 
so unselfishly um, and willingly um, volunteered to, to be a kidney donor to her daughter. Like, why not? That's, that's my daughter. That's uh, the person I brought into this world. And see, that's the, the place that our actions should come from, that sacrificial place of love. If God created us with this sophisticated body that has two kidneys. Now, granted, you only need one kidney to live. So when we're born, if you're born with two healthy kidneys, it, it, we're already born with an abundance. You see what I'm saying? We have two kidneys to operate and, and function this body and get rid of toxins. But now she has a daughter who's in need, and she's like, if I, if I could give both of my kidneys and still live, then I definitely would. So to give one kidney so my daughter could have a better quality of life is, is not even a question. And that's the sacrificial love that we should do our actions. And so I'm not saying that they, it has to be the magnitude of, of you giving the kidney. Going back to the heart of this message is just the small things. It's the little things. You never know what uh, waking up early and, 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 and ironing some clothes might do. Giving a word of encouragement, complimenting um, your spouse or your friend or, or, or a loved one um, or someone you're in a relationship. You never know the, the totality that that would have, the weight that that would carry uh, with someone else. And you know what, Valley? They don't make a Hallmark card for that. Amen. Let me pray for y'all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, God. We thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for um, your son, Jesus, who, who, who understands relationships, God, and who understands consistency and, and sacrifice, God, who so sacrificially gave his life um, to, to give us right relationship uh, with you, our Father God. So we, we thank you for that, and God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the hearts of these people, God. I pray that, um, that these things are, are, can be taken um, in a practical manner, God, and applied to their relationships and um, to their marriages, God, and to their friendships and um, even in their workplace, God. So we just thank you for what you're doing in the lives of the people in the community here. Um, at Valley God. We just want to lift you up and we give you glory in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.